Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen. Hello, friends. <laughs> Welcome back to Watery Desho Second Stream, the patron timed exclusive, as they say in other video game biz podcast for you all, where we talk about Odd Taxi, the oddest of taxis. This is episodes one through four we're going to be talking about today. I am the freshly shorn, subtle doctor and with me as usual is uh my great friend the hardest working man in pod business it is shadon i still refuse to believe that you're the doc i know i don't <laughs> I, I i no i'm not buying it i'm absolutely not buying it i'd be more convinced if you looks like one of the animal people out of our taxi rather than you do now i don't, I don't believe it believe it date bio uh, I'm glad you're getting in the spirit of things, Gogo, in chat. Um, <laughs> hi, everyone who's joining us. Um, Shadon, I hope, you know, I hope you'll get get used to it. Because um, I, I, I have to say, I enjoy it. It's still weird to look in the mirror from time to time, but, like, uh, w- when I look in the mirror, I'm not displeased. So it, it'll stay this way for a little while, but the, 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 pla- the Platinum Blonde... May make a return appearance, do, you know, so, sooner than you think, out of the blue. D- does Doc's wife suspect anything? In what sense? <laughs> oh, you mean like me uh, kidnapping him <laughs> and taking his place? No, she's none the wiser. She's totally uh, bamboozled, fooled, hoodwinked. Uh, uh, that's It's in the bag. I couldn't have asked for a better that response was, to that. Yes, <laughs> I've uh, I've assumed his identity with with little with little trouble. <laughs> um, uh, well, next well, next week I'll actually have hair, folks. You know, I mean, if everyone's doing a makeover <laughs> at this point, I'm just going to come up with a toupee. Why not? At this point, you know, that would rule. I'm sorry, that would just fucking rule. Just be there like this. With a, with Please a do that. With a comb, just casually, and then, and then I know. Just like, have you lost weight, Shaden? Like, nothing. Nothing is. <laughs> Right, pretend like nothing is wrong. No, like, exactly. No, I feel I feel the same. Same old, same old. You know what is wrong though. You know what is wrong though. The hmm. the fact that I did not watch Odd Taxi while it was airing, it just kind of flew me by. And now I look back, and I just again, I've said this many times before on the podcast. I feel like I'm going to start making like a a debt book, you know, or a long list of IOUs of it. You know, me wanting to slap my younger self. From like a couple of months back, you're like, "Why are you not watching this? Why are you not watching this, you moron?" Uh I know it's. I just hold my hands out. I mean, I missed it. 
I think I mentioned maybe we were doing something, maybe it was last week, uh, when I said, hey, you know, it didn't really catch fire out of the gate. It was like a cult hit that built up steam, but man, after after watching it, you know, actually, I'm kind of glad that I didn't watch it uh, while it was airing because I feel like the weight would be excruciating, Shadon. I find this show incredibly addictive, like... I want to go home and watch the rest of it. There's no guarantee I'm going to keep myself on the schedule that mm. we have to cover it. Like I probably will watch ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll try to fight the impulse, but man, it's tough. Whew. It's tough. It's such a good show. Yeah, and, and that and that comment from yours, like in that it was like only a cult hit at the start. I just have to assume that's just because people hadn't seen it because. It's not the case of like where we've talked about other shows in the past where the first couple of episodes are kind of whatever and then they get better as they go along. Great. Looking at you, Tomazaki, mm-hmm. for example. This is like magnificent right out of the gate. The, the first episode yes. alone is practically flawless in my opinion. Killer. Absol- killer. Absolutely killer. So I am a bit surprised that it didn't receive the attention it deserved. But then again, how true is that of how many things have we talked about in the past that were not given yeah. like the the mass appeal that they should have. But that being said, on Taxi, I'll say this right now, definitely seems like a show that was created for the express purpose of telling a, a good story, um, first and mm-hmm. foremost, rather than, you know, trying to go for mass appeal. And I'm, you know what? I'm entirely okay with that. We get, we seem to get less and less of, of that as opposed to the uh, latter over time, you know? So when yeah. we get gems like this, which are very much their own thing and unapologetically their own thing as well, uh, I am completely on board for that. Although, I will say this, I am not entirely unconvinced uh, that this is not, uh, you know, a tribute or a homage in some respect to Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver. And that is not simply because of the mode of transportation, but I'm sorry, but when your two lead characters are both suffering from insomnia or lack of sleep, and there is also, I should point out, uh, a mystery or a, a plot line revolving around an absent, kidnapped, missing young girl, um... Well, let's just hope that there are no politicians trying to get elected in this show that we meet later on. Oh boy, <laughs> just um, yeah. I I hope I really can't see this as as like some kind of homage or like send up to sexy drive. To me, it feels a lot more like a Coen Brothers movie mm. because there are so many moving parts that are interweaving with each other and character stories like that are colliding in these really mm. like specific and highly improbable ways. And like, it just makes me think that it's all going to lead up to some ridiculous scene at the end where like, I don't know, everyone's chasing each other in an airport, you know, <laughs> <or> something <laughs> like it's going to be like the, the eraser will end up being like the crux of everything. Odakawa upgrades and... <laughs> to a, uh, to an eight seater minibus and all of the people are suddenly on it at the same time inexplicably. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm telling that you. I would own. Uh, he's, it's an airport run, as you say that it's got to end like that. Everyone loves the mm-hmm, airport run. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's a great scene. It's a great thing to do in a film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, regarding the, well, I actually don't know like the hard data. I mean, maybe it's the most popular show on Crunchyroll. I mean, somehow I doubt it. Like, I guess the, you know, the the buzz o meter not being like, you know, not not uh, having Odd Taxi at the top. 
You know, I mean, Gogo said it in in chat that like there were some really big shows last season, and this is a show from spring twenty twenty one, so just ended recently. But like, you know, uh, I think people are really looking forward to like Dinazenon, and there were a whole bunch of other like sequels that. I mean, wasn't there like a slime show? Starting oh, the the second season of Reincarnate is a slime. Yeah. I think so. Maybe I'd never paid attention to that show. I doesn't. It seems like not. I mean, I don't think it's. I, I'm not here to like diss it. It just yeah, I haven't watched it either. Um, it's it's a it's, it's a good isekai apparently. Which um, congratulations, <laughs> a rare breed to, to clear to <laughs> the, clear the lowest of bars indeed. Uh, the I'll, dodo of isekai. Oh, we'll um, get back to dodo but, soon but, enough. Don't you worry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's yeah so the like but also like the premise you know what i mean like it just sounds unspectacular and there's no no waifus and i mean there's just like a lot of kind of maybe things that premiere week like i taxi just didn't jump out at people and so it, it's relatively unsurprising to me and i don't think the manga was like a huge thing like Stars was you know to, to reference another show about anthropomorphic animals um mm. so yeah uh <laughs> you can chat i guess it's talking about slime reincarnation it had 16 episodes straight in which they did nothing but talk okay not unlike odd taxi then <laughs> which feels like Fair just, I, I, I this mean, is a very dialogue heavy show i mean between us both now doc i think we've watched enough um like enough anthropomorphic an- animal anime, animal may, whatever you are calling, you, we will come up with the proper term for a different type. That we could probably start putting it into their own tier list. Uh, and I mean, me telling you that uh, Odd Taxi is better than Brand New Animal, <laughs> one of the worst things I've watched for the, the podcast by far. Uh, that should come as no surprise to any of you. Uh, I mean, it could literally have just been footage of Odomaku just driving around town. Uh, with a mellow tune playing and no actual dialogue and it would have been better. Literally nothing could have happened and it would have not been as bad as Brand New Animal. But I'm actually I'm actually <laughs> so, kind of stunned at this point to think it could yeah. very well end up being much better than Beastars, a show that I have a lot of reference could for. Could do. That's actually kind of shocking to me. But I'm all in for it. I, I mean, want to see where it goes. Yeah, it's like a different thing. It's really different than that to me, like... That's a hard one because I love to be stars first season. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to sitting down with season two now that it's out of Netflix jail. Mm-hmm. Yuki in chat says Autaxi is an anime original. A and N has the manga beginning in January, so it seems like it's either like being like produced at the same time or mm. slightly predates it. I don't really know, but. That does the fact that it, you know, the 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 claim that it's anime original jibes with like I was reading an interview with the director and he was saying uh, there was a question about deciding whether or not the the cast would be anthropomorphic animals. And I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> if if this is an adaptation, like surely that's not something you would just say you would just do it, right? So like uh, maybe it is, and the manga is adapting that story, or they're coming out at the same time. I'm not really sure. I have to do more digging. But uh, again, according to A and M, so the Odd Taxi anime 
began airing April 28, 2020, or no, uh, a few weeks before that. It's got episode four airing in April 28. So the beginning of April 2021, and it's got the odd uh, taxi manga uh, parentheses adaptation. So I guess it's maybe the latter one, but it has the vintage of that being uh, January 15th, 2021. So predating the airing of the anime by three months. Um could be some wrong information there, um, or, you know, who knows what's leeching off what in terms of the production and all of that stuff. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'll look into it more. Um, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Dr- hold the phone. Otokawa it has the same seiyuu as Tanjiro from Demon Slayer? Well, you mentioned separately that they were also the seiyuu who played 9S. In Nero Automata. And I'm just going to throw this out here right now. Um, I can see, like, the person be- who played 9S in Nero Automata, or Nero Automata, I pronounce it, doing Tanjiro. That makes sense to me, in terms of, like, what the actor's done before. But I would never have expected them to then do a, a disaffected, grumpy, um, somewhat antisocial sleep-deprived yeah. taxi driver and do it this well. What range? Yeah, kudos to Hanai Natsuki, as uh, you can provide yeah. yourself in chat there, um, for, for that yeah. range. Not what I expected, but I'm glad that they're getting like outside of the wheelhouse that seems to have been set for them. Because, I mean, when you're making that Demon Slayer money, you could be set for life doing, you know, shonen protagonists <laughs> with swords at this point. Like... And he, but he's just like, but then again, maybe that's why he can now afford to do something like Odd Taxi, which is more right, right. Low key. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, I've. It's like it's like when Adam Driver, you know, did um, you know, the Star Wars films, which whatever you want to call about them, and then did Marriage Story. Uh, you know, it's like mm. Red Red Media made a joke about that, where they were like, you know, that pays Star Wars pays for his mansion, that film pays for his coffee. But it's it's true, you know. I right. guess do something more artful and interesting than the usual fare that they're stuck with. Uh, and totally. And if you want my very quick thoughts on Demon Slayer, I never finished it because I got bored of it, and that's all I really have to say about it. I don't <sighs> see the appeal. You're so wrong. <laughs> I, I'm uh, I'm watching it right now, very late to the party on yeah. this, but uh, I think it's fantastic. I think it's one of the one of the best battle shonen to come out in a while i mean oh it looks it looks great there, it it's lo- up there with the, and not not just the look but the story and the characters and everything the fights like it's all it, it really gels together nicely for me i mean as as a, a genre piece i mean again i think it's like just as good as anything that has come down the pike lately in mm-hmm. that very specific slice of shonen i mean you get to see where all of ufo tables at tax evasion money went and it certainly went straight onto the animation, as opposed to into the taxman's account, as it should have done. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I just got not here to the... comment on that. <laughs> I, I, well, I, that as the PR about... man for Demon Slayer, I can provide you no comment on uh, Ufotable's uh, tax monies and their alleged non-payments well it's okay I, I, I know i know that you're actually just a doppelganger for doc so uh i know full well that he probably would have a different opinion if you were here now but you've replaced him you body snatchy bastard i know it <laughs> no i'm kidding okay um anyway all i can say is i kind of gave up at the point where zenitsu was just wandering a forest like mewling to himself like a wounded kitten 
And, I, and that was basically it for the entire episode. That's it. That's him. And I was just like, nope, I can't take this anymore. I can't take this. This is this is like listening to someone try to drill for a block of concrete. You hate that kind of comedy. And I mean, in all fairness, like, it's not always a winner for me either. Like, it sort of feels like a throwback to like Excel Saga where and that style of thing where the, the comedy is like, you know, talk fast and talk loud. And scream and like he does that, but like I don't know for some reason like I find him charming, and it always kind of makes me. It doesn't make me laugh, but it does make me. It does make me smile. And mm. but I just find Tanjiro to be such an incredible. Oh, he's, 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 he's solid. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, I'm. Actually, this is not the Demon Slayer podcast. <laughs> the Demon. I will be doing a Demon Slayer podcast. Never finished it. Don't intend to finish it. Moving on. We're to talk about taxis, not trains. Damn it! You're. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. That you're gonna you're gonna be left behind. You won't make your train to see the greatest movie ever made. Um, uh, according to the box office, anyway. It, but uh, look, like I said, not the Demon Slayer podcast. There's actually a podcast for that. Uh, but this is not the the Demon Slayer episode of our podcast. We're here to talk about more modern modes of transport and modern locales such as Tokyo, and we're here to talk about anthropomorphic taxi drivers mm-hmm. and nurses and small-time crooks and the shenanigans they get up to. So um, let us go ahead then and get into our odd taxi talk. Uh, before I get to talk about um, some of the creatives that are working on the show, why don't we give our um we, we've hinted at our initial impressions but why don't we like sum it up like how you feel about the show so far oh boy um well i'm actually th- there's a certain simplicity to this show and i think that i think there's like something that can be said about sometimes works of genius are based on very simple premises which is there's always, I think, in his in like in history of fiction, at least as far as the profession has existed, uh, been this kind of romanticized version of the taxi driver in the same way that you get the romanticized mm. version of the bartender, basically someone right. who is sagely and uh, personable, who is see you know who knows a lot of people, all that sort of stuff. So you're already talk you're already going off a classic premise here, which is here's a taxi driver. I mean, wasn't there actually a uh, recently released? Uh, indie game that you actually suggested to me about when mm-hmm. you were playing as a taxi driver trying to solve a mystery. <clears throat> so it's not unheard oh, of. Oh, what is it called? <laughs> I'm going to look up the name while you're talking. Yeah. So we have that already, and that alone is actually not a bad idea for a show in general, which is here's our taxi driver protagonist, and he meets crazy kooky people, you know, all that. And then even going beyond like, you know, that, of course, to films, I've already mentioned Taxi Driver, but then of course there are things like, I think it was Collateral with Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise, uh, you know, it's a good movie. Yep. I mean, there are probably more I could list if I put more thought into it. But point being is, it's a classic premise: uh, having a protagonist and a taxi, and all that follows because it is the window or the op- the door to meeting many, many different people and being involved in very briefly their experiences. Um, even though ninety nine percent of the time, your experience as a taxi will be mundane, which is fine. <laughs> Exactly. It's, which I, and that's and look, that's how I want it. Yeah. I mean, if I'm if I'm honest, like uh I've never driven in a taxi proper, but when I call like an Uber or whatever, 
I just, what I want is as little conversation as possible. Turn on the radio, listen to whatever, like allow me to look at my phone and I'm good. Yeah. By the way, the name of the game is Neocab that I was recommending. There's there also like in a, in a similar vein, um, this game came out a little bit late, maybe like six months or so after Neocab, uh, Cloudpunk. Um, I don't think it's as well reviewed, but it's a similar kind of premise where you're, I think that you're a driver. Uh, yeah, you're like a driver in that game. I don't know if you're a taxi person. Maybe you're just a delivery driver. But anyway, that's a different thing. So that's a different, ne- just Neocab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Neocab is the game. Yeah. Uh, so the the, yeah. the thing is, though, like, that's the baseline uh, classic premise of Enchantia. But what they've then done is taken that classic premise and married it to something that is relatively a new phenomenon, at least as we understand it, although by virtue of it being tied into uh, the taxi and also, as it turns out, the radio uh, is not new. Mm-hmm. But this is, we of course have become more aware of it, it's become much more prevalent in modern times uh, in a way that is blindingly obvious, but only because now they've done it, you know, in a way that is kind of like amazing. And that's t- that's why I say like this is kind of like genius from simplicity, which is two things that make perfect sense when brought together. Which is it's also got a very nuanced and well-rounded examination of parasocial relationships. Holy shit! Uh, the There's pe- a lot of that in there. Yeah, well. um, and it makes perfect sense because the, you know, getting in a taxi uh, that is a parasocial relationship of sorts. Um, but of course, you know, does mm. that. Is there ever the possibility it could be more than that? Like, and I'm not talking, of course, romantic necessarily, but I'm talking about, you know, like, what's the dividing line between parasocial and regular and all that, all that, you know, there's, Mm. I'm not going to go into that right now because I'm saying I'm just going my uh, very TLDR, uh, like, you know, assessment. But Mm -hmm. the fact that it is that genius from simplicity is amazing. And everything that, like, this show has, it's like a, like its objectives laid out, which is wants to cover all these different topics, and it does so pretty brilliantly. Um, it's actually also kind of amazing to me that this show is centered around a mystery. There is there is a yep. mystery to it, which is of course I, I alluded to it before the uh, you know this missing young girl, and it is actually the least interesting part of the show thus far, which is kind of stunning. Now I'm not, that does not make it bad. Right. It does not make it trivial, no. nor does it make it superfluous to what is going on. But at the moment, it exists, in my mind at least, as a framework to hang all this other stuff over it. And that's kind of brilliant, because lesser shows, they'd only have the mystery to rely on. And yet, this show is actually such a victim of its own like writing success, that the mystery, well-crafted though it is, with all of its little puzzle pieces, is... Whatever. I could let, like, I'll get back to it later. I'm cool with it. You can just push that aside for now. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think this is so far a, a pretty fantastic production. I think, I mean, I think the dialogue alone is worth the price of admission for for this show. It is incredibly entertaining, very well written, um, and just fascinating. And it comes, um, it's not quite to the level of like a monogatari, but like. It comes thick and fast, and there's a lot of like clever wordplay, and I mean that I just I just love it, and and the dialogue, like just the things that they're talking about too, is like so refreshing um, that 
these are two these this not two but but it's a cast full of adults mm. i mean like we're so used to like watching high school shows um you know and and or or if it's not high school it's a fantastical place with adults but this is like the real world with adults with adult world real world problems and like in a medium that is kind of overcrowded with shows about adolescence for adolescents that you know i still enjoy you know a great deal but this is like nice for a change of pace and as you said like this is a mystery box kind of a show right um and there's a lot of different mysteries there's like um so many kind of different questions that you're that you're left with after watching each episode and i'm going to be really interested to see how everything kind of ties together Mm -hmm. and the show's really funny i mean it's incredibly funny uh at times i was i I thought it was going to lean into the comedy more it's actually more of like a like a low-key character drama Mm -hmm. than i anticipated but the comedy is there and it's it's very very funny um I think the drama's hitting, you know, I think all the characters are coming along quite nicely. You know, I'm really interested in everybody and what they're up to. And yeah, I mean, I think the show um, is is singing as far as the writing goes. I mean, just, and this is not a show where you're going to have a lot of, I think anyway, super flashy, elaborate animation, you know, no action sequences mm. or anything like that. Um, they sat down in the car for much of it. <laughs> Just a lot of yes, or yeah. like at a bar, a lot of talking. So the the characters, the dialogue, the mystery kind of have to carry it, and they're more than than holding up their end of the bargain. Oh, easily. Um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mentioned the Cohen brothers, and you know, again, everything is just so tightly bound together. All the the paths that these characters are on, the intertwined roads, and man, it's just so fascinating. It's a really, really fascinating show. Indeed, yeah. I um, I am hard pressed. I mean, we've had like really good starts to shows before that we've covered on our podcasts, um, but this is definitely up there with some of the strongest stuff I've seen. Like this is pre, you know, awful Wonder Egg quality. This is, you know, um, Isaac and quality. Yeah, decadence. Decadence. Yeah, this is up there yeah. with those, if not possibly even a little bit beyond them. Like it is, it is a devil man. Po- it is a potent <laughs> yeah. opening. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's a lot to talk about over these four episodes as well um, and- I feel like the show is really tapped like like that you specifically would be really in tune with its rhythms like the way the way how kind of tight everything is in terms mm-hmm. of writing and all it just really feels like your bag oh it absolutely is um, there's some amazing little bit details, like, and also inferences one can make. Uh, it has things to say. Um, it is also pretty, um, how do I put this? Like, it pulls no punches with its assessment in particular episode four of Gacha Games and their inherently oh, predatory nature. Um, but it also... There's a lot about... I was just going to say, there's just a lot about technology in this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more than I was expecting. So much commentary on, like contemporary like like 2021 our relationship with technology what is it mm-hmm. why is it unhealthy <laughs> you know like there's a lot of that in the show yep absolutely um and even then things like literal masks and then the figurative masks we wear the idea of persona you you know all that's all that stuff there 
Um, yeah, there, there is some really, really interesting stuff, and I will be talking about that soon. Um, but you're also right in saying it's just an engaging mystery and also just funny in times. Well, like, there's the great Capoeira <laughs> yeah. joke in episode three. <laughs> that, that was incredible. Yeah. Pro- probably my favorite bit of comedy was when... Uh, I have to look up uh his name just for everyone's sake. I have a a name list pulled up. Uh, it's the character who's in the green shirt. Um, Kakihana, the like, is he like a like a gibbon? Is he some sort of monkey? He is a he's a primate, right? Uh, with Kakihana, yeah. He, I would say he's a gibbon. Yeah. He's, he's he's some sort. Of, he's a, he's a monkey. He's some sort. Of... Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's like sat down in some public area fawning over like, you know, the messages that he's sending to someone. Oh, on, Shiho, yeah. Uh, to to the, the the idol lady on uh, their equivalent of Tinder, their like dating app. And, you know, he's sitting in a big chair and suddenly someone sits next to him and starts talking about like the missing girl. And there it's like they're, he's leaves these pauses and they're, it's like they're having this conversation Mm. and they're talking about Otokawa and he's like, knows Otokawa. But then you find out like dude was just like, he pulls out his earpiece because he was talking on the phone. I died. (laughs) Absolutely died that uh, Kakihana thought, you know, they were having this conversation. do you know what's kind of genius and makes me again think that this is uh, also like inspired a little bit by Coen Brothers films or just live action generals? We get to see that scene in reverse later. Um, we get to see the conversation yes. in full or hear it in full, mm-hmm. but you see Kakao in the background and he is actually at times almost mouthing lines that are being said uh-huh. on the phone. Uh, back, like even though we already know what the conversation was, and I, I love that it's not just like a one shot thing, but they repurposed it later for extra humor, but also function as well in getting that across. Like you know what was being said, it's pretty. I'm really pretty glad ingenious. they did that. Yeah, and they don't do that for every like path crossing, which is great. Like they don't overuse that technique, but I thought it was well used there, and we needed to hear him talking to. Um, the uh the thuggish uh dobu uh that primate we needed to hear his side of that conversation oh you you mean um Um, you mean the monkey who's returning from his guest appearance in hellboy right (laughs) right that guy is that is that a monkey he's got a gun (laughs) that's all i could think of it's been too long since i've seen that no it's not it's it's a comic strip it's been beamed so many times Mm -hmm. And I uh, um, and I legitimately could not take that scene with him seriously just because of that. It was a monkey with a gun, and that's it. That's ruined it forever. Thanks, um, Mike. <laughs> thanks, Mike Minola. Good job. <laughs> but, you've ruined you've ruined monkeys no. with guns for me forever. <laughs> <laughs> and my man is just sitting there, totally oblivious that Kakihana is like trying to speak with them. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an incredible show. So, um, all right. Uh, I think we've gone on about our general feelings long enough. Let me uh, talk about some creatives. You know, we, we're not going to get to talk about everyone involved this week, but we'll we'll get back to folks. Um, so quickly, uh, the director for the show is uh, Baku Kinoshita of a company called Pix. I don't. It's like an initialization, but I don't really know what for. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but Kinoshita is from his picture, he looks like a pretty young guy. But like, so he works for this company called Pix, uh, which is producing this show along with Oriental Light and Magic OLM, who like. I imagine they've done a lot of stuff, but I know them as those people that animate the Pokemans. Uh, say say what you want about the Pokemans, but that show looks incredible a lot of the time. I've, I've seen uh, some good clips from that, actually. Um, but now that you said that, all I can think is I wish there were, like, who's that Pokemon ad breaks where you get to see uh, Dobu like, uh, as a silhouette. <laughs> It's, oh. just, it's just it's just a silhouette of a gun yeah, and it just fades it's like dobu it's pikachu no it's dobu dobu um that's just gotta be gengar no, would he be would he be no, classed this, as a fighting type i think he might be yeah <laughs> um but but no um kinoshita is like i think he does like character designs and animation for uh for picks and they they picked <laughs> no uh, pun intended ho, ho, ho. <laughs> uh, <laughs> him to, to him to do the show um to to beat the director he doesn't really have any input as far as like the writing goes um that's actually uh kazuya konamoto who is uh the head writer and writing all the scripts and writing the manga um, which again is why I thought this was an adaptation. I thought Pix and OLM had brung in the mangaka to write, but like apparently, again, it's going on roughly the same time. So who knows what is the source material here, the original. But anyway, so um, Kinoshita is the director, and he's like well, better known for like working on apparently like doing animation on commercials and things like that. Mm. Um, and he he wanted to kind of branch out and do some more storytelling and character development. And so he's super happy to be working on Ataxi and working with who he considers to be a really good writer in Konamoto. And I want to say that like Kinoshita hasn't directed any other anime. Um, I, I, I think that that's right. Again, I think that he's mostly a, an animator and character designer for Pix. Wow, um, that that is impressive because again, I just want to restate that scene we talked about before where we see it twice but from different angles. Like that feels pretty inspired to me. And mm-hmm. maybe one can and the thing is like I made the point here, you know, like that that would suggest to me that that would be someone experience, but what one could flip that turn it upside down and go, "Wait a minute, actually maybe that's more a fresh set of eyes coming from a different uh, you know, wheelhouse." But Regardless totally, of it being totally, like something totally. something new or not, like that is still mightily impressive, I must say. It really is, and I mean, I think that it's a really collaborative effort between him and um, Konamoto. Like Konamoto does all the writing, and you know, and he's just working closely with Konamoto too. You know, I think he did the character designs for Odd Taxi as well, and. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just they're working hand in hand on this, and so um, hard to maybe like credit one of them in particular. I think both of them deserve a lot of the credit for how the show's going. Although, I mean, you know, you might think the writer Konamoto deserves the lion's share, and I mean, I wouldn't argue with you because again, the dialogue, the, like the scripts, are incredible, incredible stuff. 
and we'll just talk about a couple of the episode directors uh, for episodes one and two um, this time. Uh, we'll get to the people that did three and four, even though we're covering them. Like, they also direct later episodes, so we'll get to them eventually. But uh, episode one, directed by Sayaka Yamai, and uh, they worked on, they're mostly like an in-betweener key animator, second key animator you know, for a lot of different things for Pokemon and OLM um, did some stuff for like space dandy, Yuri on ice, um, kill a kill, some in betweening. Um, you know, they did that work over at studio Kara and like not directed a lot of things did direct uh, episodes of a couple different shows. The one that I'm most familiar with is um, major the second uh, and that's like, I don't know if it's like a reboot or a sequel to uh, an older, like, I think it's like in the 2000s, a baseball show called Major that people, that sports anime people really seem to like that I need to get around to watching. Mm-hmm. But um, Yamai directed some episodes of that. Some episodes of Kira Kira Happy Hirake Kokotama, which I have no idea what that is. <laughs> and so yeah other than that not a whole lot of directorial experience so some good experience for Yamai here and uh, might I say an excellent job because episode one like you said fantastic um, episode two directed by Kenichi Nishita and Nishita has a lot more directorial experience in terms of being an episode director um, we got uh, we got some Pokemon stuff Pokemon Black and White, Black and White Rival Destinies, Pokemon X and Y, um, and other stuff as well. Did some work on Young Blackjack, which is a show that I liked. It was a revival of the classic Tezuka property, Blackjack. Um, You should see that movie, by the way, Shadon, the one that Manga Entertainment brought over, the Blackjack movie. I think you'd like it. It's a Mm. cool movie, an anime movie. Um, also worked on Major the Second, so the crossing of the paths there, and uh, also did some directing on uh, the Hunter Hunter OAVs, uh, episode directing, I should say. So um, yeah, lots of experience. Um, I don't know, directing like also really beloved titles in Japan, like uh, Chibi Maruko Chan and Doraemon. So, ah, clear, yeah. So, had, had, had some sacred cows for the Japanese. Oh, I, I was uh, gonna say, Doraemon, do like, I if there's one thing I know about that is that uh, is wildly popular over in Japan, still very much on long ongoing series, longer or if not as long almost as the One Piece manga. Could be wrong on that, but it's it's been very, I've, very long time, yeah. I, one of those two recently ended, I can't remember which one, maybe it was Chibi Mariko chan. One Piece will never but, end. Yeah. <laughs> no, I meant I meant Doraemon or or Chibi Monaco. Oh, okay. But yeah, that's really funny. Um, One Piece will never end. You're you're right about that. I I just I love when you get percentage updates from Oda. Like ah, oh, we're seventy five percent through the story. It's like hmm. 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 Let me do the math hmm. on that. Oh boy. <laughs> Okay, so uh, so yeah, that's that's what we have for creatives this week. We'll get back to that next time, but um, 
some some cool uh, some cool factoids there to learn. Like this is these are some we, we got some folks with experience and some folks who are relatively new. I think it would seem to me anyway to anime, which is always exciting. Yeah, good to see some fresh talent coming along here, and also just showing showing their crafting. You know, like showing that showing their ability. I'm thoroughly impressed with the show as well. Like I would have thought. If if you asked me to guess, like okay, uh, Shaz, who, what kind of team do you think would have made this? I said it'd be a crack team of experienced people, right. like who've worked in anime for ages, are finally doing the products uh, or the show that they want to do. And I'd be a tiny bit right because these are people doing the show they want to do. They just don't necessarily have much experience in the field. But that again is not necessarily a limiting factor so much as it can be an X factor, depending mm-hmm. on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I am thoroughly into it as far. It just hit me, by the way. Oh, looking at chat. This shouldn't have surprised me as much as it did, because the first four letters in Gorilla are Gori, but it's mm. like that guy is called Gori, but also the gorilla lady in Agretzko isn't she called Gori as well? Yes, she is. <laughs> so I was like, what? "What?" But then I remember those are just the first letters of Gorilla, and I was like, "Oh, it's not uh, that big of a quote." <laughs> well, well, uh, we 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 know now. We know now. Um, okay, I suppose we should move on then to Patreon questions, shouldn't we? That's right, Patron questions. Where we answer? Yes, where we answer. Um, questions that our lovely patrons have submitted over at the Discord. Um, again, meant to be like you could submit a question no matter what it is about the show. We must answer it thoroughly. So if you would like to participate in that, head on over to patreon.com slash show and sign up. Uh, if you want to talk about Odd Taxi or submit Odd Taxi questions, you'll need to sign up at the $3 tier to have privileges to go in those channels. And then you can ask us anything you want about these Odd Taxi episodes. Um, mm-hmm. And also you get other other great benefits. I mean, while you're there, look around. You know, see see which tier works for you. We have three budget-friendly ones. $2, yeah. $3, mm-hmm. $5. And uh, sign up and uh, and get involved and get some extra content some exclusive content and uh and yeah uh so let's get to our questions who who do we have uh this week mm-hmm. we only have two actually and these both come from okay. rackham um so we'll go straight thank you rackham th- yeah thank you rackham we'll go firstly into uh, this one which is <clears throat> What are your thoughts on how the show uses characters like Kabasawa and Kakihana to depict different views on what people consider valuable and what measures someone's worth? Who? Okay. Uh, so we should probably just establish who is, who is Kabasawa. I'm assu- okay. I see the the hippo. The hippo. Yeah. So the yeah. Oh boy. Um. Well, I'll start with why what I have on Kakiana, and Kakiana is the Gibbon, uh, the Pike Gibbon that we mm-hmm. mentioned before, who is going through uh, the sepulture that is uh, online dating. Poor b- bastard. Um, I mean, I've <laughs> actually been. A, I, I've. I mean, I'll be honest. I have. Um, I've done online dating myself, um, and funnily enough, it's actually comp- like the way that the show presents online dating and how it works and if it works is completely consistent with everything else it has depicted thus far 
Uh, even mm-hmm. right down to who gets in a taxi, which is random chance. To a certain extent, but it's arguably the major factor. Um, unless you rig the game. <laughs> unless you rig the game, yes. Uh, so Kakiana, of course, you know, has been on dating websites and tried to find someone through that, but has not succeeded for a while, and specifically talks about specs. Uh, oh my that is, God. That, is, is that is factoids, so essential details, all this down to age, height, salary is a big part of it. Men are PCs. Mm, yeah. <laughs> what are our specs? Oh, God. How much RAM do we have? <laughs> How not w- enough. Not, no. Uh, Kakiana, he definitely isn't running on as much RAM as he would like, or rather, I mean to say, <laughs> I mean to say that um, he works as a cleaner and he over massively overinflates his annual salary i actually google translated uh, or rather sorry google converted uh, from yen to british pounds like his actual honest to god cleaner salary that he put in before he over it oh, and my. it was only something like 13.5 thousand per year now i don't know what that currently is in dollar value but i can tell you over here that is probably minimum wage if not substantially less than minimum wage he ain't earning a lot um mm-hmm. And in turn, we have Kabasar, of course, who is the hippo who is interested in going viral. Um, <laughs> which I don't mean to say that he's secretly some sort of biological like scientist right. trying to weaponize something, uh, contrary mm. to what people on the internet would tell you. Uh, but rather, he just wants to be socially social media successful, you know. Maybe he wants to be an influencer, that kind of thing, you know. He wants to be popular in that way. And... One of the things I think Odd Taxi does a brilliant, brilliant job of doing is clearly distinguishing between the idea of qualitative measures of one's worth versus quantitative measures. And it takes a definitive stance towards leaning on the former being the thing that actually has true value. Um, We have the conversation, of course, with Kakiana and the bartender, rabbit lady, whatever her name is, I don't recall, uh, where... He tries to list his qualities uh, and can only go so far as saying, <laughs> I won't hit you, which again... <laughs> that was the number one on the list. <laughs> yeah, and that gets the uh, free non-nuclear principles joke, which is a thing I never thought I'd see, <laughs> but it works, and it's accurate, because that is the lowest of bars to clear. Um, so that is, in, of course, direct contrast to him you know, overinflating his actual wealth, his material wealth. Um, and then, of course, we have Kabasawa, like, you know, trying to figure out what it means to go viral, even as Soda Car. And it basically boils down to randomness. It really does. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the problem is, the, the thing the thing that I need to note here about how there is a distinguishing fact between qualitative and quantitative uh, measures of someone's worth is while I absolutely agree with the show's perspective that qualitative measures, like, you know, what is someone's personality, what is their character, their temperament, things that you can put in numerical form are absolutely the things that you should base a relationship off, be it romantic, friendly, you name it, whatever. Um, There is unfortunately a harsh truth in that quantitative measures are easy to digest. Like, I... God, like, I can't, you know, I can't say that I wouldn't want to, you know, if I was doing online dating, know how much someone's earning. That is an important fact to the show even admits that. It is, but, exactly. I was going to say, Tycho, the bartender lady, the kangaroo you mentioned. Ah, uh, yeah, she kangaroo. Push, she, pu- 
yeah, she pushes back on Kakihana and says, like, hey, what you make is important. Like, it, it, it is a measure of your worth, and it's, like, you know, security and things like I mean, those things are incredibly important. Like, finances are incredibly important in relationships. So, I mean, she has totally has a valid point in pushing back on him. But yeah. he has his head in the clouds, you know. He's like, oh, don't you know anything about true love? Haven't you ever dreamed a dream? You know. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But the the point, though, is um, that she is right, but people do start and stop their considerations of people there. But conversely, how do you make a good quality judgment of someone from an online profile of any sort? Whether it be romantic or just, hey, uh, I'm looking at a content creator, you know, there's so much yeah. performance behind it. The act of overinflating mm-hmm. one's own annual income for the purposes of meeting someone online is an act of performance in of itself. And that is what this show is taking a broad, uh, but also intimate look at. It's covering all its angles on it. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it, you know, because if it did this thing where, okay, so. Akakihana has hooked up with, uh, is it Shihi, uh, Shiho? Yeah, Shiho. Uh, Ichimura uh, on the dating app. And you could see there being a conflict of him putting on this mask and sort of rigging the game to be like, ah, oh, like I'm a rich person. Like, you know, I did that to attract you, but it's not really me. But he could, you know, easily, I guess, turn the tables on her or the show can make some commentary about that. And be like, look, you wear a mask to work as an idol. Like your whole job is performance. Your whole career is based on putting an image out there to try to get people to spend money on uh, putting putting something out there that's not the real you. So like, <laughs> well, do you, know, you, do you know, know what's deeply ironic about that, though? And again, to the credit of this show's nuance and many, many layers uh, her and her colleague out of the free in the idol group are the least successful in selling merchandise and they are the ones with masks on. They're the masks. Whereas yeah, yeah. whereas Rui, right. who, I, again, this is like me unraveling like the long, intricate tapestry of this, comes across as deeply authentic and personable and like as close as she is to real life as she is on stage. But then we get that scene of her backstage where oh. she literally... She literally has gone from being a colorful character to wearing a bl- like all black. Like she is yep. a character, like her color palette has actually darkened. So you have your visual layer there of how she is off screen, and then how she's talking coldly about moving merch and trying to basically chase metrics in not too dissimilar a way as to our hippo guy. Um, yeah. So I love her, Shadon. I love how that we get to see that just total cynicism and like calculation and ever all that shit that she was putting out there it's just gone and she's just like all business all like we need to hook more whales yep <laughs> in, we, in gaming parlance we, right like <laughs> we need to get more big spenders yeah uh, we need to get more mis yeah even though yeah. even though we've had two other shows in this year one of which being one dragon the other of which being kageki shoujo which goes to show that hooking those they might put money in the till, but they don't do the best for your mental health. But that's a discussion for a different day. Um, but yeah, like that. And I just want to pair, like, go back through the discussion to go back through the point I have just elucidated to you, right? Look at how many different chains there are between all of these characters and the relationships, just in terms of also how they 
relate to each other in the story, but how they thematically combine together. Like, we went from, you know, uh, Kakiana to Rui there, and then to Imai, and there's so many different, like, ex- like ways in which they are performative, and how the show examines them, and contrasts them, and compares them. It's kind of fucking brilliant. It's incredible how it's really inter- amazing. interwoven this all is. I absolutely love it. Um, it's a real web. Someone needs to do a cork board with the threads uh, and, and map mate, out these relationships. Mate, mate, <laughs> fucking, fucking, what's his name from Always Sunny in Philadelphia couldn't do it justice, mm-hmm. I tell you. I know. Um, but, but yeah, I think that what the to, to kind of like draw my answers to rap's questions would close here i think that the show does use them both to show different through different lenses the same point which is the qualitative measure of likes or you know um one salary how we like create our own statistical like measures of ourselves and how we present them to the world versus the Qualitative one. I mean, I'll point out as well, actually, something that Rackham himself has just mentioned in chat that is worth knowing, which is the age cap. Um, Kakian is 41, and mm-hmm. Shiho is 18. Now, I want to point out that there may be something... Oh, damn. Al- is he also 41? He, he's, he's, oh, no. he's, he's, he's old as fuck. He is, he is old as fuck. The age gap is substantial. It's definitely outside of the XKCD formula, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, the point being is this. Um... The first thing is, I, I want to say like, there could be something suspect going on with her because you'll note that her manager was following her at the end of episode three. Yeah, yeah. She, some, yeah, and something about her kind of the way she comported herself was a little too, you know, a little. I, oh, she's, she's doing she's, it. She, she's, she's trying to catch a, a fucking a whale. And she's going after who she thinks has the most money. Mm. That's what I I feel like that has to be it. Because she was so like, I mean, the things mm. she said were really sweet, but she there was a little bit of a kind of robotic manner in well, the way she look, behaved. Look at the way it's lit as well. She's hiding in shadow inside the uh, mm-hmm. you know inside the bus stop. There's no like color warmthness to that moment, Damn. even though the this foreshadowing been... is so great. <laughs> yeah, it's great. There's something really off about it. what should be unambiguously like it's a, it's on paper supposed to be like a really kind of like corny romantic moment where he's running through the rain and he catches up to her. She gives him an umbrella. Like on paper, that should be like the cheesiest but most like wholesome stuff. And yet that kind of color palette, the way she, that she's shot, all that stuff is spot on unsettling it's great mm-hmm. anyway I, I again need to t- I, it's difficult to talk yeah. about going off on a tangent is because the uh-huh. tangents do lead somewhere in this show but mm-hmm. rather again i think that those two characters kabasar and kakiana are two different lenses through which the show examines the same dichotomy between the numerical value of oneself in terms of like their welfare their you know social media presence versus the quality behind it. i mean kabasar for example you know has that thing where he's doing a cover of this song. He's trying to do what a lot of, you know, people might want to do on YouTube if they're musically inclined, which is, hey, I'm going to do covers of stuff and now get me famous and vi- maybe go viral. Um, yeah. But of course, the radio guys are like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> the homo sapiens hate him. <laughs> it's absolute, this is garbage. And they're, you know, they're people in turn who have their own screed on parasocial relationships and all that on the radio, which was quite fan- fascinating. Um but yeah, uh, it's there's, there's it's just been great with those two. Like, and I'm curious to see what happens next with them as well because I get the feeling neither of them. Are, well, obviously neither of them are done yet. But uh, I am super into uh, see what comes next. Um, I do split sp- up. Yeah, 
I, I do feel bad for Kakiana specifically because I can feel some sympathy for his situation having been oh, yeah. kind of in oh, that yeah. position in the past where I was like, oh God. Like the, the his reaction to like having those messages from someone like I've been there. I can absolutely relate. So I won't pretend like to mock him or anything when I've had the horse blinders on just as much. But nonetheless, like I appreciate the show for being authentic in that sense while also still being incisive about his own behavior. Because make no mistake, even disregarding the age gap thing, uh, which in itself is sketchy, um, like he is lying to her. Even if she came at him with complete honesty, like let's say she's completely authentically 100% into him, like from online, knows the age gap, knows all of that and is not concerned in the slightest and maybe something wholesome come out of this potentially depending on your perspective mm-hmm. he still lied to her oh yeah oh yeah she's you know, gonna be pissed one, one, one when does... she finds out he can't financially support their yeah. group i don't know how the saying goes exactly but one does not build houses on sand or however it is you know yep yeah yeah, yeah. on shaky mm-hmm. foundations mm-hmm. anyway totally. do you have anything to totally. answer that question Doc? uh so i think that you know the show is there's there's so many parallels like i mean just isolating these two characters in this way you know i mean we went on a million rabbit trails for a reason like but but i think i guess to boil down my thoughts on it i mean i think the show is is really really great about kind of nakedly showing that like people are chasing after something like mm-hmm. some kind of connection or recognition and technology modern technology via like apps and you know social media and everything like that has kind of come in and provides a facsimile of that something that seems like it's gonna give us that recognition now if we go viral like we'll be people will really see us you know all my friends have so i need to do it like um you know, if we if we uh, get on a on a dating app or something like that, we can really connect with someone. But like you said, I mean, that's we don't know anything about the p- people we're connecting with. We're just kind of going fishing, uh, and hopefully, we get lucky. And I mean, and the the kind of far end of that spectrum is uh, our narrator in episode four. What's named Tanaka? Yep. Um. I'm looking for it. Yep. Uh, Tanaka, um, who like, I mean, he's just haunted by like (laughs) the almost getting what he wanted, but the world pulling the rug out from underneath him. And like, he's just hit rock bottom, uh, because he's been trying to like, get what he wanted, get what all of us are looking for totally the wrong way. And, you know, Rackham asks about human worth. And I just think, like, iTaxi is, is showing, like, that that people are, are trying to have other people recognize their worth in just all the wrong ways yep. um, all the time. And, like, you know, it's it seems like so far, Otokawa is, like, the person that is kind of, seems to be, you know, even though he has lots of, you know, he's got... Uh, sleep problems and things like that like he's out there you know making real connections with people and you know maybe maybe he is sort of will end up being the kind of example to follow in this regard but but this is a great question i mean i love this aspect of the show Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We'll have something similar to talk about now because we also have another question from Bracken that is about comparing two characters. Uh, the question Brilliant. goes, what similarities and differences can you see in the characters of Imai and Tanaka as well as the industries they seem intent on spending all or nearly all of their money on? That being idols for Imai and a gacha game for Tanaka. So, context. Uh, Imai is the super fan. He is... I'm fairly uh-huh. certain. I'm fairly certain he is the exact same as a character from a Gretzko season three, because funnily yeah. enough, I got really, really strong vibes of that right down to the location that the band were playing in. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. Hell, maybe it's a soft sequel to it. I don't know. <laughs> maybe Oda- maybe Odakawa's was <laughs> taking her home on like you know a taxi ride once, and she's like done a karaoke. I don't know. I could see a crossover happening. But anyway, is he meant to be a skunk or is he like a raccoon? What is he? Um. Uh, um, I'm gonna say skunk. Um, and for some reason, when you said raccoon, it just made me think of the animated show The Raccoons, and now I can't get that out of my brain. Um, oh God, help me! I can't remember what the uh, the name of those pink fuckers is, but anyway, he's a hyena. Hyena, says ah, Yuki. that that. Sure, again, I that's see a, it. That's an aggressive thing again, because wasn't that also like a? <laughs> What was his name? Uh, the the boyfriend, the not boyfriend. Yeah, why can't I not remember his name? I'm terrible. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so uh, Imai, of course, is the super fan, um, and Tanaka is. Oh, how do I how do I even put this politely? Uh, deeply damaged uh, from Gacha uh, games. Um, he, oh yeah, to to the point where. Well, I mean, if Odakawa's not going to do the taxi driver thing, then Tanaka is, that's for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, anyway, I want to just quickly point out something that I think is worth noting. If if you're watching Odd Taxi from a Western perspective, like me or you, Doc, for example, because mm-hmm. make no mistake, if you are listening to this, film, we, you know, the, the closest I've ever been to Asia was my local takeaway. That's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, Christ, my my bloodline is whiter than white. Basically, you know what I mean. Um, I don't try and pretend I'm someone I'm not, but at least try and recognize that you know this show is written in J- in Japan and comes from a J- Japanese sensibility as well as an Asian one in general. And there have been reported documented cases of people outright fucking killing each other over rare items in MMOs, for example. Oh my god. That has happened. I think it happened like one time in EverQuest. It might have been something else, perhaps. I don't remember the specifics of it offhand, but I know it has definitely happened. There was one guy, like you had an eye about someone ninja losing a rare sword and he killed him with an actual sword. Um, Good god. Horrifyingly enough. But it has happened. It's like a Rangers Celtic thing. Uh, but jo- Johnny Rackham our friend Rackham in chat uh, claims that Imai is a skunk. So there's a dispute about which animal. Well, is if that... we still were doing polls, we should do a poll. Of well, like, what is Imai? Raccoon? Skunk? Well, his attitude uh, definitely hyena? stinks, so I'd say skunk. <laughs> right. No, right. seriously, I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment because it's actually, that's actually right. But yeah, um, so that has happened. So I can certainly believe Tanaka's behavior Um but it's also just fascinating to get that full fleshed like out backstory, even if it is being from him and therefore inherently unreliable. Um, mm. But the key difference between the two of them is what they're spending their money on specifically, even though both of them are spending it on a form of possession. Uh, and by that, I mean ownership of something 
Um, even though you might think, well, he doesn't apply to Mai, he spends time with Rui. And, but he has specifically said his language was, I get to own her, I will make her mine. Hmm. The language is deeply, like, possessive, uh, you know, invasive, however you want to describe it, like, all about ownership. It isn't about communicating, relating with her, or anything like that. Even though, in some way, that has happened already, parasocially, from her to him, and that's what's drawn, like, that's what appeals to him, but he has no interest in reciprocating. He goes for a facsimile of that. But nonetheless, despite all of that, his, the object of his wealth, of his spending, is on a person. <clears throat> Whereas Tanaka's, unless you count him, like, spending on himself as that, which I don't think is the same thing, is on nothing. Like, Odd Taxi is brutally, like, is brutal, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to, about this. Because he, the, the, thing, the one thing he wants is a fucking dodo. He wants a digital super rare dodo. I think that doubly does not exist. Like, right, right, right. And, and of course, the hunt for the dodo led to it going extinct <laughs> and also led to, you know, leads only to destruction. Like, dude. And on top what? of that, on top of Ugh. that, on top of Ugh. that, Tanaka also pursues <clears throat> when he's younger, erases tools of removal and destruction and correction. Like, this guy, like, even though he works in a video game company, his entire life is characterized through one form or another, of pursuing things that cannot inherently create. It is brutal watching his story unfold. It's painful because it's so consistent about that point. I know. I know. He's he's never gotten over the little boy inside him. Like, was... Like, got his ass kicked and, like, basically stole from his dad in order to get recognized by this small group of people who are also at the bottom of the social hierarchy in his class that he outlined. Like, but he couldn't do it. Like he he couldn't get it. And he's just never gotten over that. By the way, do you, speaking of all this stuff, is Shirakawa, uh, Dicho Ichiichi, is she ditch 11? Yes. Like she has the eraser. Yeah, she ha- I, the, that's the thing. The I, Don Raku I, I watched episode four again. I was like, where the fuck have I seen that before? So I went back and yeah. did a zoom in hands. But, 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 the, the fucking brilliant thing about that eraser. Oh God, I love this show so much. The fucking brilliant thing about that eraser is this, right? Odakawa mentions at great length uh, that he is into Rakugo as a means of trying to sleep. And the eraser, if I'm not mistaken, is shaped like a Rakugo Master. It is. Rakugo so, Master, yep. So. Mm-hmm. Let's compare and contrast here. She somehow got hold of the eraser um, for him as a present. But that's because she recognizes the value and meaning of that item, even if it is just ultimately a cheap piece of rubber used for removing, you know, pencil. Like, it has meaning to him. But unfortunately for Tanaka, like, the actual meaning behind it holds no value for him. It is... It's rarity alone and not the meaning behind that is what he covers. Yeah. That's the distinction yeah. to be made. And that's, again, why this is so damning about his character because there's no substance to any of it. There's not a single shred of substance to anything behind him. And if I'm being harsh about him, <clears throat> I am. But I also need to point out, like, you remember how he talks in Sunny Boy about the idea that structures of competition, um, you know, and all that, like, inherently seem to just spring out of the ether even in their absence when you're put in a new position 
That structure mm-hmm. of competing mm-hmm. over erasers of all things did not exist at one point in the past, but <laughs> no. then it still came no. into play. And I know, even when the teacher was like obsessively trying to like stamp out uh, the like notions of superiority due to wealth in the classroom, like it, it, these hierarchies, it, it just seemed like are, were just emerging in in the school socially like in addition to the ones that you know seemingly always emerge like based on looks or athletic ability or whatever talent like <laughs> the fucking eraser collection thing happened it, yeah it's, it's, i mean that I've read, the fact it's erases in itself is just again ties into how blunt and uncompromising this whole storyline is because they're arguably one of the most worthless items one could have like uh, when I, I mean, they obviously serve a function. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not exactly in desperate need of one. Nor are they like difficult to find. Their rarity is yeah. complete. Like the rarity that these guys are after is completely arbitrary. Their purpose isn't to create or do anything. It's not like having a rare pen where you can at least write something with it. There is that key difference in my mind. Uh, it's fucking nuts. But thank God Otokawa has ended up with it. I feel like that's what's going to save his life. When oh, he's gonna cut past Tanaka Oversu- gets in gets in the ta- gets in the cab to kill him. Eventually, he's gonna spot it, and he'll he'll finally have his eraser. Mm-hmm. This is my prediction. <laughs> that's 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 a valid point. Maybe he jams the gun with it. Oh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> that would be that would be quite something. That yeah. would be something. But I interrupted Boop. you. What were you gonna say? Boop. Um. So yeah, just just to bring just bring us all. In, again, towards the centre here and just wrap up this question. Um, I think that both characters, though, like despite the differences, despite the fact that I would argue in my while being a shithead in his own right because of his behaviour, unconscious though it is towards Rui, like, he's still the better of the two because ultimately he is spending on a person rather than just utterly nothing beyond nothing. Like, the, the almost, like, simmering hatred the show has for Gatcha is impressive, and I can't really fault it for that. Mm. to be quite honest but mm. um regardless of that um the commonality between the two of them um god my brain's gone a bit mushy now all of a sudden damn you i'll tell oh, well, i can no it's okay <laughs> i could pick up here if you want i mean because i see them both as victims i mean i don't i don't think yeah. tanaka's in necessarily like a worse person i mean i think i mean if anything i feel sorriest for him of anyone because i mean he just had no support system you know he had a father that was not afraid of hitting him a brother that would beat the shit out of him like no friends you you know know, what's what's funny search for meaning through the eraser sorry go ahead you you know what's funny now you mentioned tanaka's like lack of friends and all that when he's at the game company even like we have like the opening contrast bit where he's like starting out and he's still relatively like well neatly dressed he's clearly showered Mm -hmm. Uh, also, kudos to the show for, like, showing that he's actually getting sick from all of this. Like, holy crap. Like, this time where he's coughing, like, it's low-key, but it's there. But yeah, there's yeah. this co-worker of his who actually the, is the a rabbit. The pre face. <laughs> yeah, oh, There is actually this, this co-worker of his, I think he's a rabbit. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, it doesn't matter, female co-workers, who, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. she pops in yeah. in both of those scenes and says good morning. Now, nothing, you know too in-depth there, like, you know, nothing too like, oh my god, this is a deep nuance. Of course it's not, it's just a colleague saying, but that door is always open. 
I'm not saying he has to pursue her romantically. I'm not saying he has to do anything other than say hi back. But that is an action of communicating and forming a relationship. It's there. Like, even mm-hmm. when all of the doors seem closed, there is one right there behind him. Twice. Even when he probably stinks like an open sewer. <laughs> and he just can't see it. Because the horse blinders are playing this gacha game that's just completely devoured his life. Like, he describes it as sickness, mental illness, which I would probably argue is bang on. Yeah, I think he's totally addicted at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, He, you know, like, the horse blinders are just on that tight. Um, So even then, the little detail like that, there's always the doors open. Like, that's a hopeful message of itself, like, buried inside there that still says, hey, you, you know, even when you're that far into it it's not Mm -hmm. over yet yeah i think pardon me i think tanaka of of the two here if we're talking about differences between them i think he has more self-awareness i mean i think he is very like seems to have his arms wrapped around his sickness as he calls it his his condition um whereas am i I don't think, like, you know, he he's, like, being... <sighs> exploited is a harsh word, I think, for his case, but he's definitely being, like... Um... Oh, what's the, what's the right word I'm looking for? Because I don't think that... I mean, they're not, like, duping him or anything like that, but they're definitely milking him for all he's worth. Uh, all, all he can spare. I, w- I wouldn't say it's necessarily uh, and, even him specifically, though, that they're doing it more just the case that that is the great yeah. rats of the business. That, exactly. You're, you're totally right. Like, that's uh, that's the whole construct is for them to to do this. And they've, they've hooked him into it, you know, and, and but he just is totally, I feel like he's totally unaware that he is this way. Like, he's um very kind of, like, totally focused. I can't I can't fix my lights. There we go. These, these timer lights are gonna just be the death of this live stream. <laughs> it's, it's just terrible. Dark after dark. Horrible, horrible video. Um But anyway, Tanaka, you know, even though he like you, you look at the two outwardly and be like, well, Tanaka's totally worse off. I mean, he's he's basically like his like hit that point where he's kind of snapped because he hit rock bottom. And what does he say? Like he's hit the point where a blue flame has been lit inside of him because I think he realizes like at this point he has nothing else left to lose. Cause like the one thing he was going after, I mean, my stomach, I felt it drop when the phone went into the puddle. I was like, Oh my God. Do you know what, do you know what, do you know know what the worst thing is about that? People might call this a plot hole, but I don't agree. I think this actually is perfect. No. Which is, just, just hear me yeah. out, hear me out, hear me out. That being an online service, the moment he pulled that ticket and got the dodo, it should have saved his account even if his phone was fried. It didn't sink, though. It did not sink. But even then... I feel like, like that's, that is, like, that has happened to, like, my kids play a lot of online service games. This thing has happened to them in Genshin Impact, where they had beat a dungeon and then their device ran out of power. And when they plugged it up, they had to beat the dungeon again. It said, you haven't cleared it because that like it hadn't synced 
what what they were doing on their device hadn't synced with their cloud account yet. Yeah. Well, th- the thing is, um, the explanation I would give is that somehow this service, uh, this fucking zoo thing of all, Zudin, <laughs> Zudin, yeah, um, it has somehow been programmed so that until the person actually claims it, like that's when it locks in what the item is, which is disgusting. But again, this show has no love, no punches to be pulled for Gacha. So if it would allow such things to happen where, you know, like an ultra-rare ticket that goes, they have to really spend it, and then they're going to keep going for it. They're going to keep fucking going for it. I'm just like, that in itself is even more predatory. It's... Oh, like, yeah. Shocking. It's just the worst luck it imaginable for for this kid, and... And yeah, I mean, and now he's he's at this point where he feels like he has total freedom now, like because he has nothing to lose. He has no one. He he had his bird, Marvin, and that was gutsy. Oh, that was so gutting because it was. He's like she has died the same day that his phone. You know when he realized that in the pursuit of an hadn't saved the dodo in the pursuit. Of a fictional digital representation of an extinct bird, it cost the life of a bird that he owned and had been his companion since childhood. Just just breathe and think about that for a second, because holy fucking shit. I know, I know. Clearly he'd neglect. I feel like his neglect is part of that bird's death. But like, I mean, for me and you on the outside... His gacha struggle may look silly, but like, I mean, you saw how much it meant to him. He was weeping, like that. His sixteen-year struggle has culminated in this moment. <laughs> he's finally got the eraser. He's finally got the dodo. He's finally going to be on top of the leaderboard and get all recognized. All, all just snatched away from him for no reason. He, he's gonna. He's gonna end not just get recognized by the blob that is the general public, but ditch eleven. The mm-hmm. same person that took the that that was bidding uh, against him for the eraser and was now above him in the leaderboard, he's going to get one over on Ditch Eleven. So this has like become like a quest, <laughs> and it was all taken away from him randomly. And so, like to be that close to something you've worked your whole life for and have the brass ring snatched out of your fingers, I mean, you can see how it would drive anyone to like the brink uh, in, in their life, and so. Yeah, I mean, I just I have so much sympathy for him. I I I feel so terrible for this character, and I I want him to turn it around so badly. Um, am I? You know, I have like a little bit less sympathy for. I don't know. He's like, um, we haven't really got to peek inside his head though, the way yeah. that we have Tanaka. So like, maybe there's more going on there. But he seems pretty clueless, and he seems. I don't know, like kind of a douche in some ways. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't have any money to pay you because I just bought all these lottery tickets. Oh, I'm going to buy another lottery ticket. Yeah. Oh, well, you just shorted me. Thanks. You know what I yeah. mean? And well, the, I don't know. He, the, he has no, I don't know. Go ahead. The commonality is just come back to me that I was going to mention between the two of them mm-hmm. is that, again, while they are spending their stuff on different things, they are spending it on possession, um, to, to reiterate again. There is no use of their money for anything worthwhile in terms of like an experience one could spend with other people or even a solo experience totally. for that matter. I mm-hmm. mean, while not intended to be direct comparison, there are plenty of scenes in these episodes where you have characters talking like at the kangaroos 
uh, bar, for example, you know, like, and hey, that's money not on, you know, not badly spent in my opinion, you know, nice meal, talk to people while you're there, because that works. Um, but yeah, it it's crazy, like I the show like just has no love for either industry, and I'm glad that it's unreserved, while also not being didactic. I should stress as well. Uh, there's no actual, like, beyond maybe what Snarka says, but even then, is, is this coming from his own perspective? Like, he's not flat out telling people, like, in a very preachy PSA way that this is wrong. You can infer that from his state of being. Um, but nonetheless, like, it, it makes no bones about, like, how these industries are and how player and creator are also exploited as well. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a really good point. I mean, it's funny, like, this answer, I feel like the answer I would give dovetails so much with with question one because I'll use a word that Otokawa and um, his uh, alpaca friend, whose name I can't remember. Shirakawa. Sh- Shirakawa used while bantering. Makeshift. Cheap substitute. Mm-hmm. What both of these guys are pursuing so hard is this is a, a cheap substitute, a makeshift fulfillment, makeshift recognition and human connection. Yeah. Is just a total uh, smoke and mirrors, hollow facsimile of that built into these, these apps uh, or, you know, this, this whole like idol fandom experience. Um, and yeah, it's, it's all about like simulating that, but you're not really giving the real thing to these these people, and they're it's just sad because they're going to keep coming back again and again and, and getting the kind of temporary dopamine hit, and then yep. still being left empty in the cold light of day, and it's just very sad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even like plenty of other films and shows cover this, like Megalobox season two did a little bit of this, looking at toxic masculinity. Um, Fight Club had a little bit of this in as well, at least the version that actually exists yeah. and not the version that people pretend exists. <laughs> uh, where they just don't fucking get the message of it. Um, but again, Fight Club, of course, was about... <laughs> welcome to all welcome to all popular shows. Uh, shows, <laughs> but yeah. Like, but again, Fight Club was about, uh, you know, the cheap substitute for genuine, like, emotional connection. Uh, firstly, starting yeah. with self-help groups, and then actually starting with, you know, fighting. To the point where... They're all turned into mindless, you know, emotionless automata. Um, supposedly is the perfection of, like, masculinity. Uh, but they don't think for themselves. But apparently that message was lost on people. I don't know. But anyway, uh, neither here nor there. Right. Uh, do you have anything else to ask that question, Doc? Um, his name is Otokawa Hiroshi. Nice. His name is Otokawa Hiroshi. And he is, and he is the odd taxi driver. <laughs> uh, no, I mean no. I that's I, I thank you, Rackham, for sending in these excellent questions. Um, mm-hmm. Really appreciate your uh, taking the time to give us such thoughtful ones. Yep, thank you very much. Okay, I suppose it's time for us to move on to talking points. Yeah, discussion time. I'm going to let you get started on yours while I quickly nip away to go grab a drink. I'll only be a moment, but do f- take it away, my friend. Okay, all right. Um, I'll try my best here because I was hoping in this discussion, as I, you know, let's be real here, a lot of the time, 
just kind of bounce off of things Shadon says. Because, like, beyond the character interconnection and the, uh, like, rollicking good time that is, like, following the dialogue and everything like that, um, I don't really have a ton of, like notes and outline points that i want to delve into and we've already kind of like gotten into some of them um so yeah i mean i just i just love the show and i think that there's so much going on with it and shadon the only thing you miss is me saying i don't really have too much in the way of talking points that we haven't gotten into so i was hoping to like since you have so much um kind of be the wall that you bounce things off of and respond to what uh what your notes have all right then well i think the first thing i'll mention is i want to point out one of the deep ironies of this show which is about odakawa's own profession he Mm -hmm. often protests the people he meets about uh you know them living their lives uh directed by others who know very little about them uh you know like the pursuit of viral approval and all that but again, mm-hmm. I mentioned before about how this show uh, highlights that while the idea of a parasocial relationship has become more formalized in recent years due to the rise of social media, uh, it has existed for obviously a very long time before that, uh, mm-hmm. even before things like celebrity culture. Because what else would you call a taxi driver than a parasocial relationship where your actions are dictated by someone else? The direction of Odakawa's life is pretty much actually set by other people. His interactions with other people, now he has friends, of course, uh, such as Katiana, mm-hmm. but his work uh, is in of itself something that is directed by other people in a way that is dissimilar, but not so much so from people like Rui, for example. The, the course of her career is dictated by fan response. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're all under the same society here, where even if you think yourself hearty or mighty, high and mighty enough, or dare I say even maybe low-key, uh, grounded, or whatever you want to call it, that you mm-hmm. think that working as a taxi driver lets you be free from the influences of other people, uh, mm. then you're not. I mean, the funny thing is, even though, like, uh, was it Dobu, was it? I can't remember his name. Dobu, that was it. Even though Dobu like has the most control over Odakawa's direction by virtue of having a gun, like is that so different from the force like you know behind uh, you know the hippo kid in episode one? Still telling him to go to a place, mm. pretty much. You know, it's just not quite with the same level of force. But nonetheless, like for all of Odakawa's protestations, uh, he operates under the same system that he criticizes. Um, so fuck capitalism, I guess, because <laughs> that's what causes it. And if you think I'm being like you know glib with that, again, I'd like to point out that um, why is this monkey man's uh, name just completely left my brain? It's on my notes Don't here. Me. One second. Kakiana. Kakiana. There are many course, monkeys in the show. <laughs> yeah, Kakiana, of course, has to measure his value um, as a person against the value of his paycheck. Even though, by all accounts, despite him having not really much of his, like much distinguishing characteristics, he's not a bad person. Mm-hmm. I feel like we can fairly say that, even if there isn't much otherwise that I could describe about him as a per- as a character, like he seems uncomplicated, and that's not a bad mm. thing in of itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just found that fascinating that 
in its own way, like, you know, even though we tend to think of parasocial relationships as having the most effects and force in social media-driven, engagement-driven environments, which is true that they do, there is still a way in which it affects the lives of people you might otherwise not think. And people who are probably not even aware of it like Odakawa. So a, a deep mm. vein of irony running through the show there, but one that I found really interesting to think about. Yeah, Odakawa is a, a great character, isn't he? I mean... Again, he's the classic because... sagely taxi driver. He he sort of is, but like, I, hmm, like almost for a different time. Because I don't feel like I don't think of him as a know-it-all sage. If anything, like he feels like he's he doesn't feel like uh, as kind of cynical as someone his age uh, maybe would. He says he's okay like, with dying. I'd say that's pretty cynical. Well, if he's he'd rather die than go through something that's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I think he's he was saying. <laughs> oh, I can't, I me, can't be asked of this. <laughs> I, I know he's just like because there's like a hierarchy of bad things, right? There's like uh, he'd rather live, but if he has to live and get involved with this pain in the ass criminal enterprise, uh, I'd rather die. It's just a you know. Just the balance of things. But he feels like, and I think um, the director said this, like he, he really did feel like to me someone who was kind of dragged into middle age. Like he still, he hasn't settled down. Um, he is having things like sleeping trouble. Um, you know, the way he doesn't relate to people super naturally doesn't really seem like, girl, I'm old. It more seems like he's just he kind of awkward. Does seem to have like, a past trauma like, of some sort as well. D- totally but he seems more like a like i don't know he's just got something of a of a youth about him still um and and i don't know like he he doesn't really seem inclined to accept a lot of things that come his way you know he's like always has these witty comebacks and is like pushing back against things like uh i don't know he he's a fascinating character and i'm really I'm so hopeful and rooting for him and Shirakawa. I I love them together. I think that they're adorable together. But yeah, but I mean, this is why I say I'm I'm hopeful and I'm root because like nah. I don't, it's by no means a uh, by no means a uh, you know a guarantee. Do you know something? Uh, or are you, well, uh, this is going to lead into my next talking point, which is I want to okay. actually talk about the mystery element now. I did say earlier that the mystery element of this show is the least interesting part of it thus far, but I must again stress my point that that is a relative assessment and not one based in it simply being bad or unappealing. Right. The mystery is appealing. And I think yeah. one of the things I've said... It's a matter said, of screen time. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the things I've said historically on this podcast is the mark of a good mystery is it when it gets you ruminating on what things might be. So, for example, I actually had this belabored, crazy theory... The um the kid who had been who had disappeared, who Odakar himself has been fingered as being the person who took her, was possibly a part of the same idol industry as Rui was. Uh, maybe Rui was mm. boss as a replacement for her, and then she was booted out. And mm-hmm. in turn, I wondered. I didn't immediately make the connection that Shiho was one of the other idol girls, but I thought then that the people who came after her, the manager, were like maybe picking them up, like abducting them or something, trying to blame other people, like. A lot of rampant speculation, not necessarily based on a lot of substance, but nonetheless, it's got me thinking. It's got me wanting to know where the mystery is going next. But also, there are a lot of little hints here and there that are worth noting. 
So I want to note one very small moment, which is that um, Shirakawa absentmindedly rubs her ring finger. But there is no ring. Oh, that's interesting. Really? I didn't catch that. Yep, that's when she's in the taxi. Mm. Second Mm. question. Why does she have a picture of Odakawa at all on her phone? Where did that come from? I don't think... It wasn't a picture, was it? Wasn't it just he was looking at his looking at the camera that was turned to face it, like selfie I, ways i don't think so because otherwise they would have presumably animated that well he it was, was just a... looking down it was like a picture of him looking down at the phone as he was doing while he was driving like i thought it was just kind of a clever romantic thing like i have a picture of someone i like i'll just put the and self then, and then hand I, him a uh, mirror basically mm, you know what I, I mean I, I i get where you're coming from but if that was the case i wish it had been animated to make that clear because to me it suggests that she's got a photograph of him but then where the fuck would that have come from? Um, and then, oh, that I couldn't tell you. But then the next thing is also there seems to be uh, medicine missing from the uh, hospital. Yeah. Any possibility mm-hmm. that might be uh, sleeping pills of some description? Uh, well, I'll tell you, I don't know what the drugs are, but I'm quite confident that she sold them to Dobu. Mm-hmm. You know, how she mentions her one regret in life is taking out a student loan and He's like, are you still paying it off? And she's like, no. But she's, and that, yeah. Well, what she regrets about it is that she had to become a drug dealer to ah, pay it off. <laughs> that, that's how I feel it's going to turn yeah. out. Hmm. Fair enough then. But there's something suspect about her. I, I like, I don't know. I can't place my finger on it beyond the fact that she has the ring finger bit. I, and I'm really wondering if there's actually past history between her and Odakawa that he does not remember. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's something, That's fascinating. Yeah. There's yeah, something not right here. I I I don't know. It just It'd be weird though cuz she's much younger than him. She's like in her early 20s, you know. So? What, or what mid 20s. That... She's 28. Um yeah, so it's just it's tough like you think she would be the one not to remember because it would be memories what that she, she had well, when she was very young. Well, but... what if she I'm, I'm talking maybe more recent years like it we're gonna to need to obviously let the fullness of the show mm-hmm. come out here, but something seems really off. Like, and I just, I mean, mm-hmm. if it turned like what a crazy thing it turned out if they were previously married, and then whatever trauma he went through caused him to forget. She still remembers, but it's like crazy things have happened. I don't know, but th- there's there's something going on. I'll tell you that. Um, other thing I want to note as well, of course, is the fact that we get a hint that maybe Odakawa actually did it. Like he's talking to someone. He is, his, yeah. But, that can't but, be as straightforward but, as no, it seems. No, no, it can't. It, it, it can't be. Is it voices in his head? What's, what is going on here? But all of what I'm saying here, I'm not simply just tick-boxing all of the things I've noticed, even if I got some of them wrong, which I'll freely admit. I want to note that this show has me engaged. It's making me keep an eye out for the details. Like, now that mm-hmm. I know, for example, about the Eraser returning, holy shit, uh, which again, I must stress, not only just is so it there cool. as a MacGuffin, but also as a distinctive point between the value of an item. I think I talked about this in Sarah's and my as well, when we did that, where I talked about like how items have, of course, different values, different people. And what was fascinating mm-hmm. about it in this case was it had value to her as something she could use to connect with him. Whereas it only had value um, to Tanaka because of its rarity. And the fact that it was of a Rakko Master is completely and utterly incidental. So there you go. He has no reason, no desire to engage it, no desire to learn that person. They are not believe that point. But the mystery, nonetheless, is super intriguing. Like, why are the cops corrupt? What's going on here? Who's the, uh, you know, who's the fucking crime boss? 
Um, how are they all linked together? Is Rui on it? Like, she seems to know what's going on. What the fuck? <laughs> how does she know about this? The, 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 oh, boy. Yeah. Is is she all like, you know, like, what's her angle with uh, poor Kakiana? You know, who can say, but the mystery... How are the... they all connected? Yeah. <laughs> they were all in the same plane that crashed. <laughs> What a, tangled web, what a tangled <laughs> web we weave when first it is that we deceive, I believe it goes. It's but, true. It's yeah, true. I'm I'm fascinated with the mystery as well. But, uh, and that's even then when I say like that it's the least interesting part, it still gets me thinking it has me engaged. So kudos to the show for doing that because it'd be all too easy for the core. I mean, other shows are like works have done this. Like the central mysteries, for example, say behind the Persona series, they're okay. Mm-hmm. No one really cares about them, to be quite honest, relative to, you know, the social link stuff. The slinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the slinkies. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, like, uh, that doesn't mean that they couldn't, the central mystics couldn't have been stronger. But our taxi's doing both. Um, okay, next point. I want to make a small comparison here uh, between, uh, and just also to reinforce my point about the idea of authentic moments and how they happen and what circumstances cause them to happen. Uh, And Odd Taxi does this for a couple of uh, visual metaphors. The first of which is uh, the gacha game. Now, I understand that this show, and I've said as much as this show, like absolutely has it out for gacha games. It will nail them to walls given the chance. But I want to know that it, it does accurately point out the fact that the joy that comes from a gacha game is from the random is is part in part from the randomness, the rarity of it. Mm-hmm. These things that the game tells you have value are increasingly rare, and so like in turn also then there is the fact that Imai is buying lot lottery tickets. Again, random chance right. in that mm-hmm. it's consistent with this. Um, you could argue in turn perhaps also that the uh, razor was perhaps random chance because you can't know with any certainty how much one will bid or even then if you'll receive the item. Um, hmm. So there's that. But the point being, of course, is that in turn, by comparing to um, Odabaka being a taxi driver, like, where you're a taxi driver, you have no idea who you're going to pick up. It's coincidence that you happen to be in the particular right. location that, you know, causes people to get you on, say, the Uber app, or just to flag you down. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, if we go back to Hippo Kid, we'll know. The thing that he goes viral with is an authentic interaction that came about by happenstance because he happened to be in Odebacco's taxi at that particular time having that particular conversation. Now, there's probably no causal connection to that necessarily uh, between that and it going viral. It could just be as arbitrary as the next thing. But all of the moments that happen in this show thus far that are genuine, that are meaningful, come from happenstance. They come from randomness. Um, even like Kakiana's like time on uh, the dating website, like it just happens to be that you know she found him at that particular time, you know, on there and messaged him. He's been at that for such a long time that it's not its own kind of lottery. I can confirm that from my own experience with mm-hmm. online dating. You know, it is a lottery. You can increase your chances of it. And he tries to rig the game by, uh, you know, amending his uh, his value as his wage on there. It's so funny. He puts he puts money in metaphorically you know the way that you would put money into a gacha game <laughs> yeah. into the slot machine you know he's, he's expected and, to get interest just not yeah. of the fiscal kind. best value best value pack this this box will guarantees at yeah. least one purple rare 
Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the fact that, you know, like, by complete coincidence, um, Odebacco Austin Paul, like, picks up the fucking radio producers he's been, like, listening to all this time. Wild. Yeah. The yeah. homeless. Are they called yeah. the Homo Sapiens? I think it is. Yeah. I can't yeah, remember they, their they, actual they names. Ori- but... They're originally called Bono Illumination, if I recall correctly. Oh, right. Right, right, right. But I think, yeah. that, I think that was the original one. But yeah. all There's... of one, and then, of course, like, all of the random incidents that happen in themselves, like, finding the gun, like, <laughs> you know... How the hell did Saka find the gun there? Like, you know, he just happens to find it randomly. He was trying to bury he his bird. He thought it was God. <laughs> he was yeah. like, you know, God has given me a gift or like, but, but God, this made it, him think that there was a programmer because this yeah. is like a video from video game shit, you know? But but God is often used as a rationalization for random chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what I really appreciate about Taxi is that it's very honest about like how these things work. How do you meet someone that you're romantically interested? You, you know that one, the one person for you. How does that happen? It's random. You've got to be in the game to let it happen, of course, but you can't force it. If you try and force it, like say maybe lying about your salary, you'll only end up like you know cheating yourself out of you know being in you know being in to win. Um, and then of course, like again, the comparisons to the lottery. All that sort of stuff. It's very, very consistent with this examination of random chance and showing that authentic, genuine moments are the products of that by being in the right place at the right time. Now, that, that obviously doesn't devalue like um, who you are as a person, but rather, if you think to yourself like that, I'm going to go on a dating website and find someone, that may well happen, but I can offer you no guarantee of success of it. It absolutely isn't guaranteed. Even if you put money on a premium one, again, I'll speak to my own experience of that. Um, if you want to, you know, buying the lottery doesn't mean you're going to win it. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. So all of these things that they place, you know, like extreme value on, they've got to be in it to win it um, to begin with. But it, again, the show is making distinction just because like some things happen randomly, like the gacha stuff, they are not necessarily inherently valuable. What is valuable is things like, you know, hey, uh, Shirakawa and Odebako in the park, you know, all the conversations that happen in the uh, the taxi, all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, all the good moments between characters, the fun moments. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, of course, referencing something I was going to bring up, which is, again, comparisons <laughs> to Tomazaki. Uh, that, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. Became that good old gamification. gamification. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the show's ultra consistent, and I think it's on point with its message that it's if good things will happen... You have to be open to them happening, but you can't force them. Um, one thing I will say that's you know neither here nor there in terms of what you were just talking about, not not anything quite that deep, but I'm really happy that the show has decided to go with anthropomorphic animals mm. uh, for its characters. Like, I just I don't know. Listen, maybe I'm a furry at heart. This really does it for me. Like, <laughs> I'm immediately endeared to all the cast, like, 10% faster or, like, 20% harder. You know what I mean? Like, I... And I think it's a nice, like... Almost like a like a buffer or, uh, like, a you know, something to... Like a sweetener to uh, the real kind of gloomy nature of the story. In fact, I think I I am totally lifting this phrase from the director interview, uh, that he did with A&M and that that's part of the reason why they did that. And I think that was such a smart decision. Um, because I don't know, just, 
it, it lends to the comedy and it adds comedy to like there's like a like a layer of you know just the comedic to a lot of these scenes mm. where a gibbon and a walrus with a tiny a huge walrus with a tiny hat are talking <laughs> about you know these their relationship problems with a bartender kangaroo i mean it just it's just really fun and funny and uh endearing they're also how, how, endearing. how big, how big is your affection choice. how big is your affection for it? it's about american supplement size whoa that's huge <laughs> see <laughs> and like the the rapidity with which the comebacks are yeah. finding the dialogue and how like later on it's like so did your affection grow now it's the size of jupiter jupiter like uh it's just all so witty and fun and oh, not, the car is very not dry that, as well Yes, very dry. It's it's not in that like, and perhaps this is like the language difference at play here. But like, it's it's not when when I think of um, films or TV where all the characters or a lot of characters in a particular show or movie are incredibly witty. It can be a really big turnoff to me, Shadon. Like. A lot of Joss Whedon stuff feels like that. Uh, Diablo Cody's scripts. Uh, Everyone's got too much banter. The Juno movie that she wrote. Like, everyone is the fucking funniest person in the world. Everyone has razor sharp wit. But like here, it just it just feels more natural. It does not feel constructed in, in that way. You, you know what's funny? I will absolutely agree with you. Uh, I like those shows in themselves, regardless, and that film. Um, but what I will point out is that you can still try and do that, and if it's in in a story to show that someone's trying too hard, or it's, you take it from the writer's trying too hard to be the character. I'm not exactly. saying that applies. I mean, everyone those. is that way, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like everyone's such a tryhard, and like yeah. delivering these totally like this one doodle that can't be undid home skillet. Like, come on. Who says I'll be, that shit? I'll, no I'll one be says in my, that shit. I'll be in my bunk. <laughs> that's, that's Jane from Firefly. Oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> dear. Um, okay, so I have one final talking point, and this is actually kind of two separate scenes um, that kind of work in concert to make a point. Um, I believe it's Rui talking with her manager at one point about uh, the fans that she has, specifically am I. And I think there's some discussion at some point um, about the fans. In fact, this may very well have actually been her two compatriots from the Isle Band. I can't quite remember. But there is a conversation in the episode at some point where they <clears throat> they discuss like the idea of how the fans they have at the early start of their career um, are different from those who come later. And there's kind of the implication of fear of creating an echo chamber where you ultra-focus on that particular mm-hmm. group of people at the expense of widening your appeal and this of course being again capitalism at work here you obviously mm. want a wide appeal you want maximized optimized revenue um this well, ties this is, into this sorry, is what the two commu- this is what uh the homo sapiens were saying as well this is they were exact, having that argument this is the second scene i was going to bring up mm-hmm. in discussion with this because sorry the <laughs> jump no, no 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 you're entirely right to bring it up um because they, of course, have their very open and frank discussion on the radio about the fact that they have disagreements over, like, you know, how much fans get to indirectly dictate the output of their work. Um, mm-hmm. Indeed, 
one of them goes to almost as close to calling it parasocial, where people are like, you know, hey, you don't get to dictate, uh, you know, what we do. We want to be authentic. We want to create our own work untainted by your influence and not to meet your demands specifically. If you happen to like us by coincidence, then that's all well and good. Whereas the other one's like, well, actually, no, fan opinion does matter. Um, and I'm going to use a real-world musical band example here that I noted. Uh, this is entirely aesthetic, I admit, although I also had a great disdain for when one of their most famous and uh, um, successful songs came out. I'm talking about the Kings of Leon. <laughs> okay. So so the Kings the Kings of Leon, I remember when they first came out with one of their first you singles. You know which was... that I could use somebody. That, them, right? Yeah. That's, okay. Them. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> this is where I get to ramble a bit on my soapbox about music, but... Like, they literally started out looking like they were straight out of the Waltons. Like, they had, like, the full-blown, like, hair flares, mm. full beard. And then that seemed to gradually disappear. And then they became more mainstream-looking as time went by, like, over the course of three albums. Mm-hmm. It was almost like Samson's hair working. Because for whatever you want to say about their first album, I was like, it's, it's well enough good. Uh, it's infinitely superior to a song called This Sex on Fire, which is just, yes. to me, like, the most vapid appeal to you know the promiscuity (laughs) culture of that time um but the fact of the matter is whether i like that or not they were in tune with what people wanted on mass and that song did gangbusters so unfortunately i've seen firsthand through that example and this is merely my own opinion of course if you like that song you're welcome to it um then that's fine but rather, I mean to say that, unfortunately, both sides are correct and there is that tension between the two, even though I do think Odd Taxi, generally speaking, leans towards authenticity through spontaneity mm-hmm. rather than forcing something. Um, hence why Gatcha is the poisonous creature that it is, because it is trying to oh. enforce a moment. You know, it's all yeah. about enforcing no that moment. Yeah yeah, 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 it is all about that enforcing that moment. But nonetheless, like, I, it recognises rightly that it's not as simple as just be purely authentic because well there's discussion of course about making rent like they mentioned at one point about living in an expensive area one of the characters is ashamed by his lack of wealth even though from my perspective he's making you know uh money and keeping a roof over his head and that's admirable like it's difficult enough these times but also granted he should be on a good wage or a living wage mm. at the very least you get my point uh, so i like that you have these separate cases that basically examine the same point. Again, many lenses pointing to mm. a diff- to the same problem here and offering yeah. their opinions on it. And a nuanced but also mature understanding of the situation in that authenticity and the desire for it and the you know is all well and good. And indeed, people get their start by being that way, by being authentic. But then, over time, they lose that in order mm. to conform to the demand um, uh, that the, the you know the industry puts on them, exactly. and they lose that. And there's a tension between keeping those two things together. Some yeah. people can still in like handle that, but it it's as random as you know meeting someone online, whether or not that works out or not. And again, yeah. for all my for all my bitching about like say the Kings of Leon example, if I, from a businessman perspective. They made way more money off that single than they did anything prior to that. So while I personally think it sounds like absolute drivel, uh, again, just pandering to an audience here, uh, hey, it made them more money I'll probably ever see in my fucking lifetime. So 
Kudos to them. Fuck you, capitalism. <laughs> Face around, punch the Monopoly man in the face. Yeah, it's, it's too bad they didn't use it as a platform to make their art movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we were uh, talking about at the beginning. The bestseller finances the, the art house uh, picture. Uh, if, but, only. Uh, if only. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, you know, I mean, we talked about that both on and off mic regarding this podcast. Like, you know, in terms of like how how far do we want to go to provide a flavor that is appealing to the palate of the most people without crossing that line where you become flavorless and mm-hmm. nobody enjoys what you're doing? It's yeah, it's tough. You know, Kirk like Bay was like famous. Kirk Bay famously had that problem. He went on record many times saying that he had no interest in the pageantry or the, you know, mm-hmm. theatrics of the music industry. He wanted to go and perform, and that was really about it. Uh, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. that resulted in part, at least, in uh, what led to his death, In my, at least in my opinion. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Thankfully, we're not watching the anime that forces us to have discussions about Kurt Cobain and D.T. We're not watching listeners, uh, which is definitely a good thing. Yeah. So, all Man, right. Well, that that really was the anime equivalent of sex is on fire. <laughs> Pain by numbers, uh, right there. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I don't have any other points. Oh, I do have one yet. final right. one final Hit broad me. observation, which I also really like in this show. Now, all of the things being linked together... Capoeira. Least... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, I can't, do, I can't do justice to that. Um, I want to note as well, like, this show rightly also makes note of the fact that there are always interesting things going on that you may not be aware I mean, I think it was... Was it in the film adaptation where... Um, I think it's Nicolas Cage's character is asking something of some guy who's, like, giving forms, and he gives a massive rant about, like, like how you know every single day there's something happening around like just around the corner from where you live like you know people struggling against life and death because nick cage's character is like being a trainee screenwriter he's like but how do i like write a good story i can't remember the specifics offhand it's just coming to my head here but Mm. the point is that if you can't like find drama in the world around you like the guy says then you shouldn't be writing any fucking scripts but he's also accurate in his assessment that drama is happening around us constantly now We've seen already the kind of tapestry that we of like you know all the characters like Odakawa's taxi, notwithstanding, like where they're all linked together by this the gun, the eraser, all these items, all these people, all coming together. But then, for the most part, completely unaware of each other. Uh, and I don't actually want if there's one thing I've wanted our taxi not to do. I don't want it to be some massive grand conspiracy where everyone's a chess piece. I want it to be mm. more the kind of connections through chaos that real life is because it just goes to show as well that for people who think there isn't anything interesting going on around there Hmm. there is you -hmm. might need to uh, change your definition of what counts as interesting but you know there are for for example i'm not get involved and find out what other people are up to yeah you you, you, you can't you can't win the game if you're not playing it Mm -hmm. as as the show alludes to but i mean just to put a hypothetical out there there are you know, there are like, you know, many people living on my street. I'm not privy to their private lives, 
nor do I want to be because they are their private lives, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're living their lives, you know, like there's a lot going on in them, presumably. It would be naive of me to think that nothing interesting happens, you know, in the world, generally speaking, at least in the vicinity around me. Who knows? Um, and obviously we don't necessarily want to be involved in all of that because it would be overwhelming of, you know, people's private lives, their private lives, and all of that stuff they're mentioning. But rather, I just want to point out again that in relation to Hippo Kid's desire for, you know, a viral moment, you know, viral moments are probably happening all the time, but many of them don't get documented. Um, right. Yeah. But that just goes to show, like, that you can't force these things. You just have to, you know, be out there in the world. Are we going to just, is the message of this essentially going to be the John Mayer song, 3 by 5 Are you familiar with this song? I am not. Just all about how, like, he went to the Grand Canyon and took a bunch of pictures and, but he realized he didn't live in the moment and experience anything, and he's going to do it again. But this time, no more three by five. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's a sappy, super sappy, early, very early John Mayer yeah. that I was forced to listen to in college quite a bit. And then for a while, I listened to it my own volition before I grew to detest John Mayer, the yeah. human. Uh, Finally, point in that song, though, nonetheless, and that's the point that this show makes... Um, I mean, you know, for to sum it up, like with Tanaka specifically, he is more interested in being in one particular game that holds no intrinsic value to its outcome, as opposed to the game that is out there all around him that has so much more to it than that. And it's yeah. like the question in that case of monetary value beyond selling an account, because he doesn't intend to do that, despite the fact mm-hmm. that the show does again show its research by bringing that up, because account trading does happen in that sort of stuff. But rather, he wants to be, you know noteworthy yep. and that's also true of hippo kid but they want to be one... seen you can't yeah. put a, a price on that for them yeah but can someone not be noteworthy in other ways that are more meaningful absolutely than that? oh i would definitely agree i mean i would i would say that the show is saying like that this is a false noteworthiness this mm. is just this fleeting uh cardboard cutout of what you're looking for mm-hmm. so. exactly exactly and lest you by the way with the intent, of course, being fair and open here, lest you think I, you know, am being critical of the characters in this show, uh, I am arguably guilty in my own way of, like, being a metric chaser or a metric observer and getting annoyed at metrics not being as high as I would like and so on. Oh my gosh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, but, I, but I think it's one of those things where we've entered into this kind of, like, a social media-driven world now where with the genie out of the bottle and not going back in, we didn't realise that by giving everyone the power to engage in a metric-driven uh, system of engagement, how much people would come to rely on it, and how it has perhaps maybe taken away a little bit of the authenticity, which is also War- just... warps us. Yeah. One, <laughs> yeah. one side thing then I just want to say that I hope does happen, and the age gap is squiffy on this, but I'm actually of the opinion that I would like Kakyan and Shiho to have something happen and it doesn't even need to be a relationship thing maybe they can be friends but rather i want to bring that up because like the uh dr manhattan quote you know like spinning gold out of air you know out of all that chaos something decent happened you know what this is yeah i am totally of the same mind that they will both see that each one of them is has done something reprehensible and They'll both be like, well, we're both 
fuck ups that have done wrong. Like, but let's get to know each other, man. We yeah. still, I still kind of like you. You're still all yeah. right. The, we can be a- honest with each other now that we've yeah. uncovered our mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Age gap, squiffy, but maybe our taxi could also make that point that, okay, there is something off about that, but maybe that's not in this particular instance, like a deal breaker. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll have to judge you on the merits as it comes along, but Anyway, that's the end of my talking points. I've rambled on for a bit because this show makes me ramble because there's so much good stuff to talk about. And everyone's been telling me in chat, like, what, how the hell can you restrain yourself? Like, and I don't know if I... God, it's going to be difficult because part of the thing about this particular podcast format is we try to do it in a sense where we do these blocks. That way we can then, like, have some elements of speculation. You know, like, I've already speculated about what's coming next with, uh, you know, Shirakawa, for example. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but also, like, I just kind of want to do the whole thing, but uh, we, <laughs> we 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 will restrain ourselves and do it's episodes tough. five through eight next time. Yeah, I mean, and Yuki was saying, like, if you watch ahead, it'll be difficult to do, you know, just the chunk of episodes. And I mean, yeah. that's a fair point. I'll once I get to episode eight. What's it, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, once I get to episode eight, I'll have to make a decision. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that that is part of it as well, because one must also remember that Odd Taxi was released week by week. So mm-hmm. the like the way the show is meant to be enjoyed is built into its structure uh, and its release schedule. I mean, that's why uh, some shows like don't linger in the memory very long, because they get released all in one go. Um, this is also why, for example, JoJo's, um, like I could not stomach watching all of part three as a binge watch because it was just the same shit over and over again, basically. Yeah. But it made much part four, which I did watch every week mm-hmm. while I was airing, was so much more digestible and enjoyable, despite conceptually being very similar in terms of what each episode's format was relative to part three, which was here's a stand fight. And so with Odd Taxi, of course, is a mystery that is meant to be put together piece by piece. And so we can't, have, of course, have a discussion if we watched all the rest of the series in one go mm-hmm. in the way that we would have done if we watched it week on week and then got to like episode eight and there wasn't an episode nine ready yet. So we'll, of course, adhere to this format because that's going to be part of how we could criticize and deconstruct the mystery. Yeah, I mean, even if I watch ahead, I certainly won't. I will. I will not bring in knowledge to the podcast. You'll, you'll be there later. So... <laughs> it's like uh, it's like when I, when I had read the Promise Neverland manga when we were doing the first <laughs> season of that, and I had I had some foreknowledge, but I tried my best not to let. Did that... you read? Did you read the whole manga? Well, it had had been released at the time. We I didn't oh. know. Uh, I, well, the, I, the manga I... the manga is not. Um, the manga is much better than the anime. All time, like the, uh, that's the, the that's why I laughed. Yeah. That's why I laughed because you said you're reading that for. Well, you actually did yourself a favor by reading that before the anime. I realized mm-hmm. you weren't referring to season two, so well, never yeah. mind. Woof. Uh, okay, I think we're gonna end our discussion here. Um, yeah, that's Odd Taxi one through four. Tremendous start to the show. A show that. But I how good is Star Dog? We need to read it. I think I'm right in saying could could be could be in the front runner spot for anime of the year. 
once all said and done. But yeah, yeah like Shadon makes a good uh, point of order. Um, uh, we have to rate uh, and justify our our ratings. So, how would you rate this first block of episodes on a scale of one to five? Somethings. Uh, well, no pretenses, no bullshit. Uh, five out of five super rare dodos. Done. Moving on. Five out of five tiny hats on the heads of huge walruses. Done. <laughs> with, with, with fish on them, no less as well. Yes. I, <laughs> yes, the fish hat. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I did make the taxi driver comparison before, and you know full well that because of the walrus is mostly hairless, he can't be doing a mohawk. So we're okay. We're safe, dog. We're safe. Um, Shadon, if people want to continue discussing Odd Taxi with you or other various animes or even nerderies, uh, or want to talk about all the interesting stuff that is happening in your life, such as, I don't know, Leo Messi moving into your neck of the woods, perhaps, <laughs> uh, where, how would they do so? Uh, well, you can make a messy of things by, uh, no. getting a hold of me at Shane1010 on Twitter and you can talk to me about stuff there, uh. Go nuts! Why not? Don't spoil anything about Odd Taxi. Don't don't fucking do that. Don't be a dick. Yeah, that's the number one rule. Um, that was Progress Wrestling's number one rule as well. Don't be a dick. Um, and Jim Smallman would tell the the live crowd that in the electric ballroom every night, and they would chant it along with them. Don't be a dick. Um, yeah. So if you want to follow me on Twitter and talk about uh, anime like I Taxi, uh, manga I'm reading such as Claymore, uh, live action Asian cinema I have been watching such as The White Storm directed by Benny Chan, which all of you should go watch blind right now. Read nothing about it. Just click play and watch it. Um, at The Subtle Doctor on Twitter. No caps, no spaces. And uh, you can support the show, of course, uh, on Patreon, as we've discussed. Two, three, five dollar tiers get lots of extra and exclusive uh, content uh, and Discord um, access and fun times. Uh, but if you can't support us or don't want to support us that way, that's totally fine. You can give us a rating and review. Notice I didn't say rating or review. I said rating and review. Not just the stars, but the text uh, on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, that's, you know... That helps with discoverability tremendously. But also, you can follow us on YouTube. Um, you know, click subscribe, click the bell, leave comments, help us defeat the almighty algorithm. Uh, and we're on Spotify, we're on Twitter, do you, we're in do you not places. feel? Do you not feel deeply ironic or maybe even deeply... <laughs> yes. Like, you know... Yeah, oh yeah, like, I understand. Hypocritical. Hypocritical. I see you live extreme. in a, I see you live in a society. Very exactly. interesting. <laughs> yeah. I too live in this. Yes, absolutely. No, it's a, a dramatic irony. I would I would totally agree with you. Um well, that's our show. Shadon, thank you for hanging out as always. Yeah, 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 yeah. No problem. Uh chat. Patrons, thank you for hanging out. Folks that listen in the future, hello, future people, and thank you for making us part of your time. Uh, he's been Shadon. I'm the Subtle Doctor. Until next week when we're talking about Death Parade, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night. Bring back the brothers. 
Thank <laughs> you.